Praise the Lord. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this evening, and as Pastor said, I, I am here on Wednesdays. I'm just usually over on the youth side, um, so by the time we make it over, we miss most of you. So it is good to be over here. Um, I like to always give honor um, and appreciation to Pastor and Sister Shostrand. I'm so thankful for their voice in my life and how they've um, helped me and guided me um, throughout the years. And um, I am honored and privileged to be able to speak here this evening, and um, I, I take it very serious. So thank you, Pastor, and thank you for the opportunity. Um, this week we're talking about the lesson title is Propelled into Purpose. And this is the, the first of this series. It's 3.1, if you're following along with those family devotions. Um, and we're going to talk about today how Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he had the temptations, and it's a familiar story that we know. And then afterwards, he was propelled out of that. And that's what started his ministry from that point on, was that wilderness experience. But before we jump ahead to that, I want to remind us about a story that took place in the Old Testament. Uh, and we're going to look at Deuteronomy. And this is where Moses was standing in front of the Israelites, and they were getting ready to pass over the Jordan and into their promised land. They have been uh, wandering now in the wilderness at this point uh, for 40 years. Um, an entire generation, the Bible says, had, had to pass away and was not able to move into that promised land because of their mistakes along the way and because of their refusal um, to, to fully trust God and, and to, to live up to what he um, wanted them to do. And Moses was at the end. He's 120 years old now. He's been leading these people for 40 years. And he's getting ready to remind everyone why they've gone through what they've gone through. He's going to let them know one final speech before he passes away and before they're able to move on to the Jordan or over the Jordan and into the promised land. And this is Deuteronomy 8.2. He says, And thou shalt remember all the way the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. It's coming back to Moses what the point of these 40 years were, what the point of wandering in the wilderness was. Uh, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. In the next verse, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Moses was reminding the people that they have gone through this wilderness and it had a purpose. The purpose was he wanted them to rely on God. He wanted them to recognize that you can't do this on your own, that you have to trust him. And he, he would provide the manna and he would provide all these things. Man shouldn't live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We are to trust God. And that was what was to propel them into that promised land and into what was promised of them. And now we're going to fast forward to the New Testament. And we'll, we'll go ahead and pull up the verse in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, similarly here, 
uh, was pushed into the wilderness. This time by the Holy Spirit. It says that Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, he returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, and the next verse says, being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered, which to me is always the most obvious phrase I think I've ever read. After 40 days of fasting, he was hungry. So, surprising there. <laughs> so Jesus, he gets, he's now in the wilderness. The Holy Spirit has led him um, into this situation, and we know what's about to happen. What's about to happen is the enemy is going to meet him when he's weak, when he's tired, when he's fasting. Um, he's going to meet him, and he's going to start tempting him. As New Testament believers, as Holy Ghost-filled believers, we are also not exempt from temptation. Jesus himself, God robed in flesh, he was tempted. The Bible says he was tempted in every manner. Just like we have temptation, Jesus went through that same temptation, which is amazing. We can't say, well, Jesus, you don't understand what it's like. Yes, he can. Jesus, you don't know what it's like to be here on this earth and to, to suffer from the, the pressures of humanity and what the world demands on us. And yes, he can. He knows. He went through it himself. He went through that temptation. And so we need to be prepared, even though we're filled with the Holy Ghost, that we will face temptation. Uh, and that's, Jesus even said that in, in your prayers. He says in the Lord's Prayer, uh, lead us not into temptation. So it should be a part of our prayer. It should be a part of our daily walk with God, where God, you know, guide me today and lead me not into temptation. Please deliver me from temptation. Temptation from what? Well, we're going to see some examples in a little bit, but temptation obviously to sin is a big temptation, but that's not the only temptation. There's the temptation to, to give up. There's the temptation to say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to throw in the towel. I'm going to I'm going to give up. You know, I've been going to church. I've been living for God. And, and I don't see any of the benefits yet. And there's that temptation to say, you know what? I'm going to start doing things my own way. I'm going to start. And the devil will come and he'll present to you these temptations when you're weak, when you're tired, just like he did with Jesus. And that's why we are to pray. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. He says, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, we understand, as oneness apostolics, we understand Jesus, and we understand the oneness of God, and that he was fully God, and, and he was fully man all in one, and that's the mystery. How can that be? But Jesus had humanity just like we had humanity. And this particular verse is taken out, he's referring to Calvary. And he was saying how the flesh, the human side, is weak. If that's true for Jesus, what do you think that means towards us? Amen. So we obviously have a lot of humanity. We have a lot of flesh. And so we need to, as much as possible, we need to get into the spirit. We have to pray. And we have to fast. We have to read our Bibles. We have to come to church. This all seems like the ABCs of what it means to be a Christian. Why do we do those things? So that we can be full of the Spirit. Because we know temptation will come. In fact, sometimes, even when you're doing everything right and you're being led by the Spirit, 
that's what Jesus was doing. And the Spirit led him into temptation. And so we need to know that. We need to be understanding that the flesh is weak. It's so easy to think that I'm strong enough, right? Boy, I can tell you, I've gotten myself in a lots of trouble and problems because I think I don't need any help. I can handle this myself. I, I can take care of this myself, you know, whether it be at work or at home. Oh, I, I, can, I can go ahead and fix that car problem. It's not long before I'm towing the car to, to somebody and there's even more problems. And so lots of times we have to recognize that we are weak, that our flesh is weak, and we need to, we need to refer and be strong in the Spirit. Paul refers back um, to the Old Testament story. I started with you know, the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. Paul used that as an example, talking about temptation as well. He said that the Israelites in uh, 1 Corinthians 10.5, that they were overthrown in the wilderness. They were in the wilderness and they were overthrown. And, and, you, know, you read that story and you see where God provided every step of the way. But every step of the way, they would also say it wasn't enough. Okay, well, what's next now? Moses, I know, I know God just provided food from the sky, but what's next now? What, what, where are we going now? God just gave you food from the sky, and that's not enough for you to think that God's going to provide every way. But they didn't, and so they were thrown in the wilderness. And jump ahead to verse 11. Their story's recorded, and, and Paul refers to this. He says, now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So this was an example to us. Verse 12 says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. It's so easy to think, I got everything under control. But the Bible is warning us here. When you think you're standing, when you think you got everything figured out, that's when trouble will come. And so be prepared. Be ready. Uh, if you think you have it all under control, Paul's warning you that you could fall. But the very next verse he reminds us that God always provides a way out. It says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what your circumstances are. It might seem like you have no other options, but if you just hold on to God, the Bible says that He is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, that he will always provide a way out, but will, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. God always provides a way of escape. I was recently just talking to a young person who was telling me about some of the temptations that they were struggling with, that they were being overcome by. And I referred to this verse and I'm saying, it seems too simple. Oftentimes, I feel like all my advice gets boiled, boiled down to the same few things. It seems too simple, but it's the truth. Trust God. Do what you know is right. Do Follow the word of God. Pray. Uh, come to church. Get counsel from your spiritual, uh, from your pastors and from your spiritual leaders, and everything will work out. God will provide a way, I promise you, every single time. He says, if you will be led by the Spirit, that's the trick, right? He says, God will provide a way. Well, if you're not listening to God, Amen. then are you going to hear that way? So we need to be prepared. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost. We need to be praying. 
asking him, God, is this what you want for me? Is this where I should be? God, is there, is there somewhere else I should be? And be listening and being full of the Holy Ghost so that we can withstand and we can overcome. A couple other verses to, to, uh, to illustrate this. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 says, This I say then, and Pastor just talked about this earlier, Walk in the Spirit, and ye sh shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We need to walk in the Spirit. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. God is faithful. You can count on it. You can, put, you can trust that God is going to help you. He's going to guide you. He's going to protect you. And he's going to see a way out. Amen. God is so good. We'll go back um, here in a little bit to our story in Luke chapter 4. But we have to be ready for the temptations. Well, Jesus was tempted. Jesus was in the wilderness. He was fasting. And he was tempted. And we can learn um, from how he was tempted, how we will be tempted. It was an example to us. We can learn how Jesus responds to the temptation. And that's an example to us, that we can respond accordingly. The first thing I want to point out before we even start reading is that the devil knows the Bible. The devil knows how to twist the Bible. And I, and I can tell you, you know, as I, I thank God, I was born and raised in church. Thank God uh, that I, I grew up in this. But I can tell you, I remember in formative years, whether in high school and college, I can remember talking to people who weren't in this, who weren't uh, believers, like we are believers. And they would, they would throw out a verse. Now, they would throw it out extremely out of context. But I wasn't prepared for that. And I would hear that verse and I was taken aback. I mean, the foundations of which I was raised on, the foundations of which I believed, you just threw a scripture at me that, that shook me, that I never heard before, that I never thought in that way before. And if I would have just took them at their word, it could have really messed with my faith. But thankfully, I have a church. Thankfully, I had a support system. I had a pastor. I was able to go for, with these questions. I was able to read the word. and That was the most important thing. I was able to get into the word of God and, and put that verse back in the context that God intended it for. And I was able to see the truth. We need to be ready because the enemy will, will talk to us with very clever twistings, whether it's of scripture or even just religious sounding or intelligent sounding. And they will try to convince you that you're wrong. They'll try to convince you that what you've been raised on or what the Bible says is wrong. So you need to be ready and prepared and know that the enemy knows the word of God too. And so, and they can twist it. So and just to illustrate this, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about this, verse 14. He says, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. The next verse, he says, so if, if Satan can do it, therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. Those in shall be according to their works. So don't be shocked. Don't be amazed is what he's saying. Yeah, there's going to be people that's going to pre pretend to know what they're talking about. They're going to pretend and they're going to distort things. And if you're not careful, if you're not being led by the Spirit, if you're not praying, if you're not going to church, if you're not keeping that connection with God alive and well, then that temptation might overcome you. So be prepared. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. 
He says, for we walk by faith. That's what Pastor Sanders said. We walk by faith and not by sight. We have to trust the word of God. We have to trust the leading of the spirit. We have to trust that. And we, we can't just go off of our feelings. I lean not unto my own understanding. Another scripture. We need to trust what the word of God and the spirit leads us. Okay, let's turn now back to Luke chapter 4 and verse 2. And we're going to try to go through this um, verse by verse and just the story of Jesus being tempted. And verse 2 says, Being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were in it, he afterward hungered. Next verse. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. First of all, I'll just point out, the devil doesn't have a lot of tricks. He seems to be going from the same playbook that he did with Adam and Eve. He's, first, let's play on your humanity a little bit. Let's play on your pride a little bit. If you say you are who you, if you are who you say you are, he's trying to play on his pride a little bit. The humanity in you wants to rise up and say, oh yeah, I'll show you who I am. And so he plays on that a little bit. And then he's also playing on... His hunger. He knows he's been hungry. He's been fasting. He, of course, he's starving. Of course, Jesus absolutely had the power to turn that stone into bread. He could have done what he was saying. And he probably, probably was, I'm sure, tempting, appealing. Probably played on him a little bit. Said, oh, what's the big deal? Right? There's nothing wrong with bread. There's nothing wrong with eating. Except Jesus had declared a fast. Jesus was fasting. He was, why was he fasting? Same reason we fast. He was trying to weaken the humanity side of him. He was trying to weaken the flesh. And he was trying to grow his spirit and, and become stronger in the Lord for, to prepare himself for the ministry that he's about to go on. And so he's in the middle of fasting. He said, God, I'm going to consecrate. I'm not going to eat for 40 days. And then the, the devil comes in there and says, here, take this stone, prove that you are God, and, and turn it into bread, uh, and then eat it. And the, the thing that I thought was so telling to me was Jesus didn't play his game. He didn't play, because you know what would have happened? Jesus could have done it, but the problem is he had already consecrated that bread. He said, no, I'm not going to eat that bread for 40 days. Listen, when you consecrate something, when you say this is now holy to me, I'm going to set this apart, whether it's, uh, whether it's a fast, whether it's something you're giving up for a fast for a momentary time, or, or if it's a lifestyle, and you say, I'm not going to do X, Y, Z anymore. I'm, when you consecrate something and say, this is special to me, this is holy to me, and then the devil tries to convince you, oh, you made that promise years ago. That's not a big deal anymore. You should just let the, the devil's trying to take away what you have made holy. Don't let that happen. Whenever the voice tries to say, hey, you know that, that one time you're at the altar years ago and you gave something up, you don't even remember what that was about anymore. He's trying to steal what's precious to you. He's trying to steal what you've consecrated that, that makes you holy, that makes you connected with God even more. And so Jesus didn't play his game. He said, no, I'm, I'm not going to be tempted. I don't need to prove to you who I am. I don't need to eat this food. I've consecrated this. I, I'm continuing my fast just like I set out to do. And he answered with scripture. He said, saying it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. He went back to our, our beginning scripture, way back in Deuteronomy, when, when Moses was talking to the people. He's saying, remember, we don't live by our own means. That's what he said. It's not just about food. It's about everything. About we, we can provide for ourselves. 
That was the problem with the Tower of Babylon. We can provide for ourselves. We don't need God. We can take care of all of our needs without God. And Jesus was referring back and saying, no, we need God. I need God. I don't need bread. I don't need man-made things. I don't, I don't need what this world has to offer. What we need is God. So he answered back. Whenever the enemy is tempting you, that's our strategy is we got to have the word ready to go. Jesus was ready. He knew the word better than the, than the enemy did. The enemy thought he knew the word. He thought he could trip him up. He thought he could trick him. But Jesus was ready with scripture. And he said, no, I'm not going to play your game. I'm going to stay consecrated. I'm going to keep my fast. I'm not, I don't need to prove to you who I am. I know who I am. He put his trust in God. He said, I'm, I'm not going to turn. I, yeah, I have the power. I could turn the stone into, into food. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to trust God. He's going to sustain me these 40 days, not food. Verse 5, the devil continues his attack. Sometimes he's relentless. He continues his attack. He doesn't just give up. He says, uh, the devil take him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Next verse. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee. And the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomever I will give it. Next verse. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. There's so many things wrong with this. There's so many things that the devil throws out there. First of all, yeah, the devil does have dominion over those kingdoms for now. The devil tries to pretend like he's got the power over all of that. He tries to pretend like he's the owner and therefore he can give ownership to Jesus. When in reality, he's just leasing all of this for eventually Jesus already is going to take over all of this. All the kingdoms of the world will be Jesus. Every knee will bow. This whole world will fall under Jesus' control. He didn't need the devil to give it to him. And the devil's trying to convince him. says, hey, I can give it to you now. And you know what? If you think about it for a moment, I bet that was tempting. I bet that was tempting to Jesus because that means he could skip the cross. He could, he could theoretically, he didn't have to go through that next phase, that ministry. He didn't have to go through all the, uh, the, the pain and the turmoil of Calvary. He's like, hey, look, if you don't want to go through all that, I'm, I'm offering you a way right now. You can, you can get out of all that. But we all know the devil's a liar, right? We all know that that's not really what would have happened. Of course, it required that last part. You have to worship. You have to bow. You have to be subservient to the enemy, to the world, to the flesh. Listen, we are promised. We are promised eternity. We are promised eternal life. We, are pro we can go through the Bible and we can read promise after promise. We know who we are. We don't need, we don't need the enemy to give us any of that. We don't need to take matters into our own hands. God has promised you something. God has promised you he's got a, a, a plan for your life. And sometimes in the middle of the waiting, that's what's hard. Sometimes God will show you and he's, I got a purpose for you. I got a plan for you. You're going to do wonderful things. I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to establish with you. But you have to trust God's providence. You have to trust God's timing. 
And in the middle, in the waiting, that's where Jesus was right here. He was struggling. He was fasting. He was waiting. In that waiting, it can be tempting to say, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. That's what he was offering him. Look, Jesus, you don't have to do it God's way. If you do it my way, I can give it to you right now. And that, those moments will come. All, all you have to do is give up your integrity a little bit. All you have to do is give up some of what you believe. All you have to do is give up a little bit of that, of that church stuff that you like going to so much. And, and you can have what it is you so much desire. But the truth is the devil is a liar. And they, he puts it out there and tries to pretend like you can have that. But in reality, he's going to rip the rug from underneath you. Don't believe that. Trust God's timing. Trust God's plan for your life. Rest assured, he's got a plan. Again, my advice is always so simple, but continue doing what you know to be right. Continue serving the Lord. Continue coming to church. Continue to pray. Continue to live for God as best as you can, and God will provide. He will give you his promises. He will give you whatever, whatever you need to be fulfilled. God will give that to you. You don't need to give in. And, and Jesus' response right away again, he goes to scripture. And Jesus answered and said unto him, get thee behind me, Satan. Sometimes you got to be forceful like that. Sometimes you got to be forceful and say, no, I'm not even going to entertain that thought. Because if you start to think about it for a little bit, all of, a th all of a sudden, you know, maybe it's not too bad of an idea. Maybe we should think about this for a second. No, right away, Jesus recognized that's a lie from the pits of hell. And I'm going to say right now, get behind me, Satan. And then let me tell you why. Let me go to my scripture. For it is written, thou shalt wor worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You see, when you give up God's plan, when you give up God's way so that you can take matters into your own hands... You might think that sounds freeing, but it's really you become a servant. You become a servant to the enemy. You become a servant to the flesh. You become a servant to the world. And God's saying, I can offer you freedom. I can offer you life and life more abundantly. You don't need to do that. And so he said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. I won't, I won't worship anyone else. I won't worship anything else. Nothing is more important to me than God. And that's what he was saying there. And we'll continue verse 9. And he brought him to Jerusalem. He goes one more time. He says, I'm going to get you with this one. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said unto him, if thou be the son of God, again, he's getting to that pride there, cast thyself down from hence. Next verse. For it is written, see here's where the devil tries to actually use scripture. Tries to take scripture out of context and confuse him. It says, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. Next verse. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. So he was saying here, okay, um, your word, the Bible says, that angels watch over you. That if you were to jump, the angels will come and, and they, would, they would rescue you, right? That's what he was trying to say. So go ahead, jump. Prove you are who you say you are. And Jesus, rightly, again, doesn't play his game. You see, we know who we are. We don't get our identity through this world. We don't, 
We don't look at ourselves. We don't look at our value. We don't look at our worth, our fulfillment. We don't get our identity from what the world says is okay or what the enemy tries to tell us we should get and what we should aspire to be. No, no, no. We get our identity from the word of God. We get our identity from the spirit that's leading us through these challenges. We get our identity through God. That identity says we are redeemed. That identity says that we are loved. That identity says that we are, we are saved and we are forgiven. We don't need to listen to any of the identities. That's what he was questioning. Are you really who you say you are? We don't need to play that game either because we don't, we don't need, I don't care what the devil thinks of me. I know who I am from the word of God. And that's what Jesus says. Jesus right away, again, he doesn't play it. Verse uh, 12, and Jesus answered, said unto them, it is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Basically, get behind me, Satan. Once again, you shouldn't tempt me. I'm not even playing that. Just go away. And look what happens. Verse 13, and when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. There's going to be attacks on your life. There's going to be moments of attack, and it feels relentless. But the Bible tells us that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And that's what happened here. If we resist the devil, we got to continue to be full of the Spirit. The Spirit here led him through the wilderness. He led him through these trials. And the Spirit kept him. The Word of God kept him. He was able to, to quote Scripture, and he was able to answer, and he was able to get past all the temptation. He resisted the devil, and the devil fled from him. If we can do that, if we can resist the devil, the Bible tells us that he will flee every time. Resist the devil. Satan did not give up right away. He had three times he attacked. He was relentless. And it, it feels that way sometimes. I mean, we can, go through the, uh, we can go through this entire congregation. We could see story after story, life after life, where people have been battling years, battling sickness, battling disease, battling loss and grief. And, and it feels like we're, we're under attack constantly. But hold on. Just hold on to that spirit. He's going to get you through, and he's going to propel you after that. He's going to get you through. Just hold on to what God has for you. Um, later on in the New Testament, 1 Peter 5 uh, Peter gives us some instruction about how the enemy is going to continue to attack. So be ready for that. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So he was saying, be ready, that the, the devil, he, he's like a lion, he continues to attack over and over. And we learn from Jesus' response. Every time Jesus was tempted, he responded with scripture. Every time he was ready, he had verses ready, he was ready to go because he knew that one day I'm going to need these scriptures. I'm going to hide these in my heart. I'm so thankful I, I had the, the uh, fortunate blessing to be a Bible quizzer uh, young in my life. Um, I can't quote you all the hundreds of verses that I theoretically had memorized at one point, but I can tell you there's a lot of scriptures that I do have, and I call on those scriptures when I'm going through tough times. When I feel like I'm being attacked, I can call on I can, Psalms 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm ready with scripture. I know that God is going to fight for me. I'm ready to fight back with the word of God. That's what we need to do. We need to make sure we are 
filled with the word of God, that we're not just reading it, but we're studying it. We're trying to understand it and we're hiding it in our hearts. We're memorizing it and being ready to uh, fight the enemy when the enemy attacks. The Bible tells us that his word is our weapon. Uh, Hebrews 4 and 15 uh, we'll come to verse 12 in a second, but he says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. What this is referring to is what I said at the beginning, that we have the blessing, we have the fortunate that we can say, Jesus went through all the things that we went through. He was tempted too. So we, we can call back and look at it. He was, it says, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus is the perfect example of of going through the temptation just like we are going through, uh, and he came out of it uh, by using the scripture. Uh, Psalms 119 and verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Have that word hid in your heart that I might not sin against thee. When that temptation comes, if you have those scriptures hidden in your heart and you're, you're ready with that, that will help you and that will be your weapon. Hebrews 4.12 tells us more that, that the word of God's our sword. It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. This, this was one that I do have still memorized from Bible quizzing. I love this scripture. The, the word of God has a way of just piercing right to the heart of the matter. It has a way of just getting through all, all the flesh and getting right to your heart and, and, and dividing asunder the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's not just an old history book. It's not just a, a textbook that we can study and learn from. It's a living, breathing document. It's, a, it's the living word of God. When we read the word of God, the Bible says that the word was God breath. That, that when we read the word, it was the breath of God. If you go back to Adam, when Adam was created, how did he become alive? God breathed into him. And when we read the word of God, we are taken in that life. We're taking in that breath. When we study the scripture, we're, we're getting closer to God. We're learning all that's true, but it, it's, it's getting into the heart. It's getting into uh, the, the uh, intents, the thoughts. It's getting even to me now, 2022, that document, that Bible that was written by many, many different men, but all inspired by God is able to still speak life into you and to help you and to propel you uh, in these times of trial, in these times of, of wilderness. Um, Jesus left that experience. He left that wilderness, and he embarked on his, his ministry after that. That was, if you, if you read this in, in, the whole, in the context of the story, he was baptized, and then immediately, whew, he goes into that temptation. He goes into that 40-day fast to prepare himself for that. And then he came out of that, verse uh, 13, Luke 4, uh, 13, there we go. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, okay, I already said that one, you were right. Verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He returned in the power of the Spirit. See, the Spirit led him through that wilderness. Well, why would the Spirit lead you through trials? Why would the Spirit lead you through tough times? Why would the Spirit lead you into the wilderness because he knows what's on the other side of that wilderness. The Israelites had to go through the wilderness to get to their promise. 
Jesus had to go through this wilderness to get to his ministry, to fulfill his role as, as the son of God. Why would the spirit lead you through these tough times? Why would you go through these wilderness experiences? Because God knows what's on the other end of your wilderness experience. And God is going to give you the power. He's going to give you the power to overcome. He's going to give you the power to, to lead and to be used in his ministry. And that's what he did. Did I put verse 15? Go ahead, put verse 15. And he taught in the synagogues and being glorified of all. That propelled his ministry by going into the wilderness and then the Holy Spirit propelled him out of that. We want to be led by the Spirit of God. In order to do that, we got to be surrendered to God, just like Jesus was. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. We know that. He, he prayed that. Jesus... The, the flesh part of him, of course, didn't want to go through the wilderness. We, none of us want to go through the wilderness. Brother David and Sister Sheena don't want to go through the wilderness right now. But we know what's on the other end of that. We know that God's preparing them. We all have times. We all have testimonies of wilderness. Um, one's, you know, recently to I think all of us, I think everybody could say that this period of COVID has been a wilderness. And some people have, have been battling more than others with the loss and the grief. I remember when, when it first started, when all of a sudden we, we postponed church services in person and we went to remote church. And uh, I'm a teacher and at school we went to remote learning, which means no learning. It was rough. And we went to remote learning. So I was teaching from my basement. At the time, uh, I was also finishing up my master's degree. Uh, my master's degree was in administration. I was supposed to be, uh, I was supposed to be, uh, what's the word here, interning with principals. I was supposed to be going around and doing school stuff. Guess what wasn't happening during that shutdown period? So here I am, my last couple months of school, I'm supposed to be shadowing my principal. I can't go shadow him in his basement because that's all, <laughs> that's all we were doing. We were all at home at the time. So here I am trying to finish that school, trying to figure out how to do that. We're, we're teaching from home. Uh, trying to figure out the new layout, can't come to church. Uh, and then at the same time, that's when uh, my wife decides it would be a great time to fall off our porch and to break her ankle. True story. And uh, so that was a couple years ago now, which doesn't feel like it. It's kind of crazy. It's like a big blur. But I, I could tell you that felt like a wilderness. Navigating all of that, we had, I mean, stressors on every side. And how are we going to, you know, how am I going to watch the kids and, and teach 160 kids online and finish my master's and also take care of my wife who can't walk for the next three months? That was a wilderness. And thank God I had family and friends who were able to help us throughout that time. But I could tell you, the Spirit doesn't, it will help you. The Spirit got us through it. I don't know how, but day by day, the Spirit got us through, and the Spirit will propel you after that. The Spirit will give you power after that. And now I, I have a testimony. Now I, I feel stronger in the Lord. That was time that I was able to take a moment and, and, and pray and read my Bible and get, get my strength that I needed from God. That's the point of the wilderness. We need to be led by the Spirit. And when the Spirit takes us into the wilderness, we need to trust in the Spirit. We need to rely on the Word of God that we've hit on our heart. And then we need to be led by the Spirit out of it. And with power, we'll come out of that. We'll come out of that wilderness. One last story, and then, we'll, and then I'll close. But um, there was a story from, from this book out of The Insanity of God uh, by Nick Ripkin. And he tells the story about um, the Chinese underground churches. 
the, the churches that are happening in China that are underground houses. And, and this uh, mi missionary was, they're doing a convention. And this one missionary was kind of introducing him to all the house leaders. There's all the, these underground churches, house leaders. And he points to this one young man and he goes, this is our new evangelist. I don't know his name, but he gave him his name. And he said, you know, he's right now leading one of our houses. And he's kind of showing this, this evangelist is kind of showing this other guy, this author of the book, uh, all the people. Well, then when that young man walks away, the man who was introducing him to everybody, he pulls him aside and he says, you know, that young man, I'll make sure I get this quote right. He says, that young man, he's going to be someone God can use in a powerful way someday. But you cannot trust what he says now. He hasn't been to prison yet. And you see, in, in China, it's outlawed. They're not allowed to have church. They're not allowed to have the freedom of church like we're able to have it. They're not able to, to you know, pastors got stories where he's seen people, they, they worship all night because they're not able to come down the aisle. They're not able to worship and, and to worship freely and loud. And they have to stay quiet. They have to be in their homes. And if they're caught, their leaders and their members are put in prison. And so this leader was saying, this is a good young man, and he's going to be used powerfully one day, but he hasn't been through his wilderness yet. They said they treat the prisons in, in this Chinese underground church. That's how in the U.S. we treat uh, uh, seminary or, or Bible college. They think of, well, when they go to prison, that's their Bible college. When they go through that wilderness, when they get through that persecution, when they come out of it, they have a new appreciation and they have an understanding and now they're able to be used more powerfully. Oh, can we pray as we close? Let's stand. I'm going to... Uh, pass it over to pastor in a moment, but let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your spirit. We thank you, God, that you are going to lead us, that you're going to guide us, God. We know that times of temptation will come. We know that wilderness moments will come in our lives, God, but we are going to trust in your word. We're going to trust in your spirit, God, that you will make a way of escape every time, just as your word says, God. Lord, and we thank you for the victories that you're going to give us, Lord. We thank you for the power that we're going to have after the wilderness uh, uh, times in our lives, God. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.